Listener Production. You are listening to episode 192 of the Howie Games Part B, featuring the captain of the D's, coming to you courtesy of Pepper Jack Wines, Max Gorn. So, knee injuries, I don't think we need to dwell on that, but I, I had a period on Sundays on the wireless on Triple M where we had a lot of Melbourne games, which we used to laugh you did with. The, the Sunday 110 slot to do Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, and we used to laugh with Rusey when he ended up in the box saying, geez, Rusey, you put us through some tough Sundays. So, um, you played your first game 2011. I did. So 2011, 13th. So for those that don't follow the footy closely, there's 18 teams, 2012, 16th, 2013, 17th, 2014, 17th, 2015, 13th. So in that six-year period, your best is fifth last in the competition. What's it like being an athlete in a team that's no good? Uh, a lot easier to be a young player in a, in a team that's no good. Yeah, it's a great answer, actually. Um, I st- there was a novelty of still being an AFL player for a little bit. <laughs> so you're there. just happy to be getting a game. Yeah, there's, there's still a little bit of that early. Um, we were always seen as a young team that was okay to lose under Dean Bailey as well. Um, so the first couple of years, 2010, 2011, 2010, obviously a fan, 20, uh, well, a player, but a fan. Um, and 2011, um, basically a fan, played four games, 17 in the VFL. Um, we were seen as a team that was up and coming. In, in 2011, when Dean Bailey uh, got sacked after the Geelong game, the infamous game. Oh, it was 108. Was it 186 yeah. points or something? I th- I'm, you fact-checked me, but we were sitting 9th or 10th. Like it was, Did we'll, you play in that? No, I was right. best job, best gig there. I was carryover emergency. So the VFL lost in the curtain raiser by 100, and the AFL lost by 186. And me and Clint Bartram both were emergencies for the AFL. Good man, Clint Bartram. So we're sitting in the stands, not playing in both games. We're the most informed players in the in the room. We've both played the next week. So one team's got beat by 100, <laughs> one's gone hit by 186, yeah. and you're just sitting there going, these blokes aren't playing that well, are they? Early on, we're like, okay, we're a chance for a game here next week. Then when it got to about 150, we're like, we need to get the hell out of Geelong. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of abuse coming our way. And the coach got obviously removed after that. Yep. Um, but we were, we were, I think we were not. We beat Port Adelaide and Darwin the week before. Um, I remember that. Uh, and then obviously we fell to 13th, is it written there in 2011? Yeah. We lost the last four games with Todd Viney, I'm pretty sure. So Yeah, and then 16th, 17th, 17th. So is there, yeah, what, what's, what's the move, what's the culture around a club when it's not going your way? Because obviously the nice part of this story is we get to talk about a change yep. and going your way, but when Mark, it's not going Mark your Nildier way. The Mark Nildier was tough. Yep. Um, I, got, I, I got along great guns with Mark. Um, Might have been one of the few. I'm not sure if it um, – I can't speak for everyone else, but um, certainly a lot of people were unhappy at the football club at that time. Um, and how does that manifest in a footy club? Is it like any working – like I've worked in work environments that are fantastic, like say – Fox Cricket, every day I go in there, I know there's going to be smiles, joviality, happiness, but professionals who are good at their job. But then I've worked in other ones where it's like, oh, this is going to be hard work today. Is that similar to a footy club? A little bit. That, that era in particular, if you weren't playing good football, don't be your jovial self type okay. setup. Um, Which would have been hard for you because hard. that is... Yeah, once I, I started really coming out of my shell then, so I'm almost the extrovert within the four walls. Um, thinking that was my role to come in on Monday and cheer everyone up after an 80-point loss. Um, I remember me and Jack Watts actually got told by Neil Craig that we're too jovial pre-game and we're starting to bring the other guys down. So he sent us at Marvel Stadium down to another room where it was just myself and Jack Watts for an hour. We do up pre-game. Nothing else. We'll throw on a tennis ball to each other. Really? Yeah. So that's how, like, when you're at a club down the bottom, you're trying everything to try and get back up. So I understand trying different things and going, oh, the mood in the change rooms wasn't great. Let's try and change that. So I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't have any problems with trying yep. stuff. Um, I don't think Jack would have loved that. Um, but yeah, so the, certainly the biggest issue with the club at that time was I, I struggled with the, we weren't relevant. Like I love footy and we were never talked about. No. Like if you look at West Coast currently, they're talked about every day. Yes. They're on the back page. They're a relevant club. They're a big club. They're going to be back to their best very, very soon. If you remember Melbourne from those days, we weren't talked about. 
to be fair, mate, we, we'd get the roster. As I said, it was that one ten yeah. son. Oh, jeez, we've got the demons again here. And that was the hardest thing. So the day Ruzi came in was like the day we all went, we're relevant. Because of him or something he said or just because it was Ruzi and he was a premiership coach just, and he was the man? Ruzi had some good things about him the way he coached. Um, but certainly his presence just – Paul Ruse is on the back page of the paper. We're at a Melbourne polo. All of a sudden we get Bernie Vince, we get Daniel Cross, we get Chris Dawes, we, <laughs> get, we get Jordan Lewis. Like we, We've become a destination club all, all, yeah. all of a sudden. It's like, wow, there's people coming to this club – over other clubs. Bernie had choices, I'm pretty sure. He says he did. He reckons he could have gone to all 16. Of course he um, did. <laughs> yeah. But we've got some really big names coming to the football club. Um, that's what Ruzi's biggest influence was early on. Um, he also made it a family club. So we were a, a nine to five, you will work your backside off to get your money's worth type operation with the former coaches. So you're getting paid to be there nine to five, you'll be there nine to five. Correct. And then uh, when Ruzi came in, I mean, Ruzi didn't want to be there from nine to five. So he wanted to be in Hawaii. So he all of a sudden became a bit more work-life balance. Um, families were involved because the Ruse family is very close. So Dylan and Tyler are there every day. Tammy's doing our mindfulness. Um, it becomes a family club. The Vince family comes and they're an infamous family and they make it a family club. Um, and it just changes with small little things like that. Like, yeah, he was a smart tactician and also a pretty good coach. Um, but it was the subconscious things that he did that he probably didn't even know he was doing. He just wanted Tammy a job maybe and wanted Dylan and Tyler to experience a football club. But really what it was doing was like, oh, there's like a, it's like a nice side to this football club. Like it's, it's a cool place to rock up. Do you keep in touch with him? Yeah, Ruzi sends texts. Um, he, he, he sent – I was calling two weeks ago on Fox with Brad Johnson – all of a sudden, our phones are beeping at the same time. I try not to look at my phone when I'm calling the footy. I wait till quarter time. And Jono's laughing away. I think, what's he laughing about? Then I turn my phone over at quarter time. There's selfies of Ruzi. Looks like he's just got out of the ocean yep. with a surfboard rack in the back yep. saying, oh, I'm enjoying the game from Waikiki. And I'm thinking, there is a man that has got – he looked like some Adonis. He looked yep. 15 years younger than when I used to work with him. He's got it sorted. He said, Does he send you similar messages? He sends me uh, – every second text would be, um, hey, mate, uh, I need you to do this video for this lunch that I'm about to do. <laughs> <laughs> but there's That's some, great. There are some good ones in there. Um, we certainly chatted post-21. Because <laughs> um, in the end, he Goody is the smartest coach I've ever had and has the game plan that won us all those uh, uh, finals and has kept us in good nick. But the day Ruzi got here is the day the club changed. <laughs> and there's no way you can avoid um, that. So as much as you don't like pumping Ruzi up every minute because he gets pumped up He's the only man to senior coach twice and not get sacked. It's phenomenal. He's 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 a winner. He's yeah, a winner. He's so, a winner. Um, before we get to um, the premiership and all the joy that you brought for so many thousands of Melbourne supporters, you've described where you've come from and that you know you're having a smoke and leadership meetings. Then then you become captain. So when you walked in to become captain the first time. Do you think oh, I have to be a certain way? Am I just going to be what Jim told me to be, be myself? How have you approached leadership? Because it's a big group of people. You know, there's 40 odd blokes, as you said, from all these different places and experiences and cultures. And then you're the man. How have you gone about that? Uh, yeah, so I was, I was leadership group. And congratulations on the job because every player you speak to loves playing under you. Thank you. Uh, leadership group 2016, um, which uh, wasn't, it was a surprise. I used to always get told by Nathan Jones, you'll lead this club one day. And this is like back 2012. Like I'm like, yeah, radio chunk. Come on. <laughs> um, but it was, I had, um, I was getting more and more extroverted, more and more comfortable with myself. Um, and uh, people followed me for sometimes not by my choice, like sometimes bad. Um, but I had that natural um, lead. Um, and then throughout my leadership group to captain journey, so that – three or four years, every meeting I had with Goody or Bruzy or the leadership coaches or Chunk or um, CEOs was, uh, you just got to find that balance between being being the class clown and being a leader. Right. And it was every time. And it, it would do my head into a point where it, I was so self-conscious about my own leadership style. Hmm. Um and I remember I got some feedback one time from a player, uh, from a playing group. We had an all-in playing session. 
Uh, and you had to say something. There was a piece of paper on the walls and you'd go right under it. 45 pieces of papers on the wall, go right under it a little bit. And a, a lot a of- comment on each person. Yeah. And a lot of mine wow. were all around, you don't have to, we- uh, we just, we like to be hit up by you. You don't have to put a joke at the start or the you don't have to finish with a joke. If we're going for a half an hour catch up, you don't have to do it. Like And a lot of that. And I'm like, okay. So then I tried that for a bit. And then I'm having one-on-ones with players. I'm like, I'm not comfortable. And I guarantee you they're sensing I'm not comfortable. Because you're not being yourself. Because I'm not being myself. Hmm. So the biggest thing I learned was I'll start it with a joke and I'll finish it with a joke if I want to. Because that's the way I lead. And if they're getting serious max, they're going, oh, geez, I'm either in a lot of trouble or this guy's not being his genuine self. Um, so I dealt for so long with five years. I'm glad I did go through that because I have found a really good balance. Um, but in the end, the, the best leader and the reason why I got voted to leadership group in 2016 as a class clown was because people gravitated to, the, to, to some parts of me that were really good. Um, so I harnessed that. I stopped smoking. Um, and <laughs> that, was a big, <laughs> that was a big commitment to the club. Actually, a big sacrifice. And was and, and and was able to lead my own my own way, um, which is I'm very grateful for that I was backed in to be able to do that. Um, and and yeah, that's that's the advice I'd give to anyone who's an aspiring leader is um, if you get voted into the leadership group, if you get voted to be captain you're doing something right that people like. They're not voting you to be a person they want you to be. They're voting you to be that person and just do it better. Just keep just just, just keep being you. Um, so that's one thing I love doing is 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 leading. Um, I love creating an environment for people to be safe, people to be themselves. Um, like I said before, it's very hard, AFL, very hard to um, play as Max Gorn. It's even harder if Max Gorn's trying to play as someone else. Mm. Um so making people as comfortable as possible and um, that's something I dare say I got off gym is I love that mentoring part. Um, another thing that I, that I love is the development of people, uh, especially young youths. Um, that's a double barrel, young youths, isn't it? But right. anyway. Young people. Young people. Um, so I played VFL for six years. I was, so two years, definitely VFL, four years in and out. So I've been dropped. 14 times in my career. Um, 14 times? Yeah, 14 times. Uh, most of them by Rusey. Cheers, Paul. Um, he'll be listening. He'll be yeah, fan. yeah, he'll be listening. Uh, two knee recos, so I've been the long-term injured guy. Um, I've been out of contract many times, fighting for one. Um, I've been also very safely in contract and signing before I'm even in my last year. I've been on bad money. I've been on good money. Um, I've been in the team performing. I've been in the team not performing. I've so been, there's an understanding where most people on the list have been. I feel like I've been in every single position apart from potentially, and touch wood, the, the senior player that's injured and out of form or injured and not playing or just not playing. Yeah. That's a, I, I sympathize with a 30 year old that's playing VFL. That's that, that is tough. They play a massive role for our football club and I don't think they know that. Um, but Every other spot I've, I've I've literally ticked off. I think that's a great description in that it, my old man explained that to me. He said, if you can do as many different jobs within the area you want to work in, then when you're sitting there doing something, if you're sitting there um, commentating the footy, you know what the director's doing and you know what the producer's doing and you know what the tape team are doing, you know what the graphics people are doing. I think that's a, that's a great way to have an understanding of the whole operations. So it gets to, obviously... Um, well, I, I remember I'm, I remember playing VFL and I'd take a mark or do something quite good and I'd hear Brad Green on, like, the boundary going, yes, Gordy, and I'd look and go, how good's that? A skipper's here. Yeah. Like, that good. And it's, it's like, I go to every VFL game I can now for <laughs> purely that reason because I remember what I felt when I saw people there. And it's the same when I'm injured. I remember... Um, being lonely in the gym and Jack Grimes will come up and say, how's that, how's that knee of yours going? And I'd enjoy that conversation. So it's just like little learnings I learned from that has made me um, a little bit more balanced in the way I lead now. So the premiership year, we've put it off long enough. Um, to finally get the minor premiership, I don't know how long it was. Well, I know since how long it was since Melbourne won the flag, but I don't know how long since you've been minor premiers, but you're down at Geelong. Same year. Same year, so it was, what was it, 50, 57. 57 years. 
you're, da- you're, you're six, seven goals down in Geelong, you're coming good, you need to win to become minor premiers. Um, it was a deliberate or insufficient intent call and then someone kicked it down the four and then the ball goes deep down to the big fella in the forward line. So what you, happens then? You nailed that. Um, well, I've watched, watched it 76 <laughs> times, so I could probably... <laughs> well, I watched it, it, I watched it last deliberate. night. <laughs> It was Cam Gaffrey out on the floor. And Luke Darcy was losing it because oh, they can't be dealing with They're trying to win the game. And then, yeah, yeah who kicked it out on the floor? Cam Gaffrey out on Cam the floor. Cam Gaffrey out on the floor. It's out of bounds on the floor. And 50. He's played 50. Well over. Brad Close punched it over the line. You have watched it. It's Jake like Lever got the 50. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you watched it. So I am... Um, <laughs> Back end of 21 of the four most favourite games of my career, but at each time, that was the game. So Geelong was my – the Geelong round 23 was the best game I've ever played in in my career. It then got eclipsed every time three weeks later. 40 points down at a, at a stadium uh, that we've lost by 186. But you uh, weren't involved. I wasn't involved. No was mental scars for you and Clint uh, Bartram. I've been involved in 100. Um, I've been involved in an 80. Uh, there's there's some mental scarring down there, certainly for some supporters. Um, 57 year drought, 40 points down, three quarter time. If we don't win, we go to Port Adelaide to play Port Adelaide, um, which Geelong ended up doing, um, and became a pretty hard road for Geelong to get to the to the granny. And we get a goal off the siren, albeit me, but we kick a goal off the siren. That is easily the best football moment I've had. Just like that. Try and script it. Try and write it. Try and believe it. It's happened. Um, no crowd. Uh, it was a bit of a dampener. Would have loved to shut 30. How many people fit in Geelong down there? Yeah, 30. It took me back because it, it had the crowd effects. I yeah. remember at the time we, Fox and Seven, they put fake crowd just to try and give something. I actually caught the ferry over for that game. Did I, you? I'm in, I was in Blair Gary um, <laughs> and the, it was in the middle of COVID so yeah. there was three other people on the oh, ferry. A, don't take um, it back Mickey there. Roberts was one because right. he was going over to call. Of course he was. Um, I wasn't allowed out of my car. Uh, it was the AFL rule, not the COVID rule but other people were allowed out of their car. I remember a family coming knocking on the window. Can we get a photo? I'm like, actually, I'll put the window down a tiny bit when time I take a photo. I get in trouble. <laughs> um, so I, I, that was fun. I took the ferry over um, Played in that game. That was the high I had after that game. I've missed a goal on the siren, uh, not after. It was just before against Geelong, which is quite funny. Um, yeah, again, of which adds to the moment. Tom Hawkins was just reminding me of that moment the whole time on the mark. Was he? Yeah. What was he sort of saying? You've done this wrong. Yeah, just time. remember 2018. Um, <laughs> and then Angus Brayshaw behind me was telling me not to listen to Hawk, and now I'm listening to Brayshaw. <laughs> telling you not to listen to Hawk. Yeah. So uh, if you actually go and watch, I try and kick it real quickly. I take the mark and I try and go back and I try and kick it because in my head I'm like, if I miss and the siren doesn't go, we can still win. That's a shocking mindset that's to not have. A, that's, that's not your David Goggins <laughs> positive mindset, mindset, is it? If I yeah. stuff this up, someone else might be able to win it for us. Then the siren went, and I wasn't missing. Once the siren went, and I realised, okay, I looked at the scoreboard, and that didn't help. I'm like, okay, yep, that's, yep, that's definitely my kick. Um, and I just went back, and I just was never missing. Um, went back. The celebrations was all-time uh, – all 22 players running in. It was Mark Williams' birthday, I remember, so he got in the song after the game. <laughs> um, and that, I think, catapulted us. We had this feeling with Darren Burgess that our second halves were unbelievable. Yeah, S&T, your yes. fitness guy. And we ran over Brisbane in a game, again, COVID. Uh, we're a giant stadium against Brisbane. Um and they were 30 points up through the third quarter. We ran over them. And since then, we always felt like we might have some good last quarters in us. When we got challenged by Geelong in that game and we ran over them, we were, like, not at the time, we weren't using the word unbreakable, unstoppable, but in the end, we, we sort of were. Huh. We were kind of like, nothing can phase us. So Brisbane challenged us in that first final. Um, unique again, we're in Adelaide uh, for well, our choice. We chose Adelaide Oval, I think, yeah. Um, they had one person per two seats. 
So there was some crowd. There was some crowd, but they still had the COVID rule. And they challenged us early in the last quarter. But it just, again, being able to have that mindset that no one can get near us. Um, Clayton Oliver was unbelievable in that game. In fact, Clayton was really good in the first final. I obviously had my moment in the prelim and track had the Norm Smith and the granny. And Jack Viney was second best on in all three of those games. So the midfield really performed in those four games. Back to Max shortly. All sorts of AFL players have been on the podcast over the years, but one that really made an impact on me was the big blonde saint, Nick Rewalt. On episode 152, Nick held himself to an incredibly high standard. Because I felt like every time I took the field, and this was true for my last game, every time I went on the field, it was an opportunity to either enhance my reputation or diminish my reputation, Hmm. which is... Silly, like it's nonsensical because if you've done something for 15 years really well, well, then one game's not going to really change the way people think about you. But in, in my mind, that's that's where I went. And so for, right through to my last game, every time I went out was an opportunity to potentially chip away at what people thought of you, which is crazy. It's, ab- it's absolutely crazy. And, and it, was, it, was, it wasn't just catastrophic failure, like losing a grand final that dictated that. It was the most simple things within a game of football that if, you know, you might have kicked three or four and taken 10 marks and had a good day, but if you'd had a couple of moments, if I had a couple of moments where I thought, geez, I didn't do that, like, oh, I can't believe I missed that goal. I can't believe I ran in and, you know, went to pass when I should have, had, whatever. And I would play it over and over and over and it would that would dominate the way I reflected rather than the, you know, the other good things that had occurred or the fact that we'd won. And, and so I, particularly in a leader, leadership position, I had to be really careful to sort of internalize a, a lot of that stuff. I mean, like I said, those, those close to me were able to pick up on it, but it was, yeah, that was, was just the headspace that I found myself in that I could never shake. That's Nick Rewild on episode 152. Just before we get back to Max, while I'm here, also, I reckon check out Nathan Buckley on episode 70. The man talks sense. Anyone that succeeds in, in any endeavour and anyone that does it over a long period of time, it's it's not just talent. It's not just... Um, yeah, it's not just wherewithal. There needs You need to invest, you need to commit you need to be passionate about it and um and i and i would think that most of the most of the high performers in any endeavor Mm. would actually believe that it's their hard work that that gave them their success and not their talent despite the fact that they would be talented And, and i think that paradigm and that mental um, focus and belief on the the work over the talent. I, I would I would suggest that that would be consistent of any high performer anywhere because it because it's sustainable. It's something you can actually do something about because there's there's always be someone more talented than you, right. but there might not be people um, that are prepared to um, invest as much as you are. That is Nathan Buckley on episode seventy. Nick Rewalt on episode one hundred and fifty two. Let's continue with Max. So, for, again, people that don't follow the AFL... Actually, Mel- I've got more on the qualifying final. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell me about that then before I set up what you're trying to do. We're at the Ibis Hotel. Um, <laughs> SA didn't like Victorians, especially COVID Victorians, so we'd been in Victoria for a little bit. It was a nightmare. And they were really worried about us coming over to play that final. But first of all, the first thing we get is we get off the bus to get to the hotel. And the bus to the hotel is the walk from here to that door to leave this podcast room. And Ed Langdon's mask is around his chin. An army bloke almost pulled his gun out of his pocket and was telling Ed Langdon to put his mask on. So it's, like, a, it's a three-metre journey. <laughs> Ed, put your mask on, mate. <laughs> so he gets his mask on. And then we're isolated in, in rooms. So a normal interstate trip is you can obviously go around the city, but at least you can go around the hotel and um, have dinner together and go through the team meeting, but we're isolated in our rooms. So you couldn't leave your room? Couldn't leave your room. Um, and Angus Brayshaw calls this the meatball crisis of 2021. Um, <laughs> we get, where dinner gets served. It's all on our table, all on in front of our doors. They knock on our doors at one time and they bolt out of the belt, out of the level we're on. Because we're diseased Victorians. And, and we all open the door and there's a tray of food. We bring it in. Um, and there's two meatballs and they're the worst meatballs of all time. And Angus Brayshaw's a big meatball lover pregame and he calls it the meaty crisis of 21. Um, 
There was a lot of Uber Eats getting ordered <laughs> right. post that. To top up the meatballs. To top up. It was a, um, I'm not sure if anyone's connected to the Ibis Hotel in Adelaide, but it wasn't our, our greatest day. Um, but that's because it was probably COVID, so yeah. it wasn't their fault. Um, and then we had to get straight out of uh, Adelaide after winning to go do our two-week quarantine in Perth. That's um, where the prelim's going to be. For the prelim. So we had obviously the week off because we won. Um, so we had two weeks of not playing footy, uh, just isolated in Joondalup, which was... You're, you're allowed out of your rooms there, though. Allowed out of our rooms. That was a resort. Yeah. Not allowed out of oh, the gate. Golf, golf club. Yeah. Not allowed out of the gate, but um, stayed in the resort. Um, didn't have the golf course open for us, which apparently uh, the year before when teams were there in the 2020 hub, they were allowed nine holes, but no nine holes for us. <laughs> they, we, we did do it after the prelim, but um, that was actually... We take a lot of learnings out of the 2020 hub. 2020 hub was three months in Maroochydore and crazy. Like we just missed finals. Um, a lot happened. There was a lot of emotions. A lot of people went through different things. All those learnings we took from that hub, bang, we can, we got four weeks in Joondalup to win a flag. Let's see if we can get the right recipe here. Um, Jake Lever had a two week old and had to leave, get up. And you can imagine, like now I know what mm. a two week old's like. You feel like, like, you don't have much of a role as a husband, but if you're missing it, you feel like, oh, no, I'm yeah, not there. Absolutely. Um, so you can imagine what Jake's feeling. Um, and I feel like we were able to get around him from that point of view and give him time at different times to FaceTime, even if it's during a meeting or something like that, to really support him. Um, so we really nailed the the vibe of that hub. It wasn't like we're stuck in this gate. To be fair, we're playing in a prelim to chance to break a 57-year drought. So the vibe's already pretty good. Yeah. Um, but the vibe, yeah, that was it was a pretty cool place. Tom McDonald started a meat club. Um, oh, because he was famously, I remember yeah. talking about in commentary, he was like eating steak 17 times a day and yeah. he was ripped and he was full and Conor McGregor style. He put it on his socials and a local Perth butcher wanted a piece of it and were dropping us off these like unbelievable, nine marbles, that a good steak? Or yeah, something like that's that. it. Unbelievable Better steaks. than the Ivers meatballs and anyway. Tommy Mac's cooking them on a barbie outside. We've got a crew of 20 of us in the sun just having – the best porterhouse you'll ever have in your life. Um, so that two weeks leading into the prelim, even though we're locked up, um, was a lot of fun. All right. So you kick five, goal by goal. Um, talk us through this one. Uh, yeah, you don't see Rux do that. So, <laughs> uh, Have you heard this, Tommy? You don't see Rux do this, he's led with. He's touched off the boot. Max has played on because he saw it was touched. Oh. Maxi! Oh. What about that? was Stevie J-like from Max Gorn. You've never seen him do that ever before. The running, bending snap from the big totem. Five-centimetre giant. Unbelievable goal. 32-point Tracks kicked that to me, and it's touched off the boot, but the umpire didn't see it. So he's actually blown his whistle, and I've played on and rolled around on me right. Snapped it. Um, if I do that at training, I belly that nine times out of ten. So... <laughs> That's actually rare what's happened there, that I've actually nailed that snap. So that's number one. That's number one. This is the best. Yeah, I haven't done this too many times in my career. Max Gorn's already kicked one cracker. No way. Max unloaded. No! What are we seeing here from Melbourne? Max has kicked two of his goals of his career. That's from 55, and it goes over the fence. That's a big kick. I like that you knew it went over the fence. (laughs) That's a big kick. So you've nailed one from 55. At this stage, 78 to 32 up. So you're not in the grand final, but halfway through the third, you're getting close. So you got two in the bag. What happens next? The third one's actually boring. Uh, It's a free kick in the goal square from a ruck contest. He's got three big mags. I'll have my third, thanks. (laughs) Um, But it's a set shot, which is, let's be honest. This is is a good one. Okay, what's this one? This is number four. Max grabs out of the ruck. No. Yeah, but, I mean, we need to tell the listeners where it is on the ground. Okay, well, it's you a explain. pretty tight pocket. It is. You're almost over the fence, Maxi. Blitzard is in the ruck, uh, and I sort of just get him out of the way with a bit of ruck craft, and I just throw it on the boot straight away, and somehow there's no shape of that at all, and I've just put it through the middle. Um, I couldn't do that again as well. So goal one and goal four, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so that's four. The coach looks happy about that. So you're and, home now. And then this is the fifth, which is the centre bounce straight after the fourth. He's a pile. Well, Max, oh! he's on. He's genuinely taking the piss, Max. He is genuinely <laughs> taking the piss. He could kick six or seven at this rate. This is extraordinary, Chief. And then I get benched. Um, so what could have been? Could have been seven or eight. Well, they had to, they had to keep. 
keep you on ice at that stage. So you, you mentioned, um, so you're into the grand final. There's a, it's a 57-year period since Melbourne has won the premiership. You, you, you mentioned what you said earlier on and you, you used some of what Neil said in your, in your captain's speech. What, what do you say in that situation? When are you delivering this speech and what do you say? Um, so it was a little bit of a blur, I think. I think You're not surprising, mate. Yeah, going through the banner. Um, I had a mascot. Uh, that's what you call a little kid that comes out. Um, and I didn't know I was going to have, have one, so that like, sort of surprised me a bit. And then we ran through together. And then the, any sort of footy ops told uh, didn't forgot to tell us that we had a photo straight after the banner. Um, so then that surprised me. So everything was sort of surprising me. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Um, I can't remember if won the coin toss or not. Um, I had an unbelievable record that year. Oh, I had tossing the coin. Yeah, and I was every time I'd come back to the group, I'd let everyone know. And then <laughs> prelim, I remember I got told prelim that I was 22 from 25 or something. So I was pretty confident. I reckon I did win the granny one because I reckon I came back and said, did it again, lads. <laughs> Um, and then uh, Neil's Neil's quote. Um, I've, I've, I haven't said it for two years. I think it's the mark of a man is it, when always said is done, more is said than done. Right. The mark of a man. Yeah, something like that. Put all that together, and there's some there's 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 a quote in there. Um, and then selfish v selfless is a big thing of Neil, and you can't get anywhere with selfish people. Um, and what he does is literally the definition of selfless. Like he is fighting the disease. That I'm starting to think he can win, but he's fighting the disease that he cannot win, so others can. I don't want to bring that on the football field because that's pretty heavy mm. and that's a lot. And we're just playing football, like I said at the start. Neil's fighting life and death, and a lot of other people's life and death. Um, but it just gives you a big, a bit of a scope on all you need to do is play your role today. Um, all you need to do is do the thing that you need to do. There'll be a Norm Smith medal that'll go to someone. And to be fair, if you have a premiership medal, you probably don't care if you got the North Smith medal. That'll go to someone. It's probably going to be a midfielder. So how about the other 21 of us just play our complete role because that will, that will help us win the game. Um, so that was the sort of vibe before the game. Um, first centre bounce, I actually remember. So Steph Martin's a friend, a good friend. We, we, we were teammates. Um, he was as unprofessional as me. We, we, we bonded over unprofessionalism. Um, <laughs> And then he, he went, similar to me, he went full professional. Um, I didn't quite get to the level he got to, but he starts weighing his food and whatnot. So he went right to the other end. Um, so we talked a little bit pre-game via, via text and whatnot, but the first centre bounce, he just takes me out. Straight in here. Good bounce too. Gorn kept out of it. McRae came in nice and hard. Gorn went back and found it. And, then and none of us hit the ball. It's a free kick every other day of the week, but not first centre bounce of the grand final. And I'm like, geez, that's smart. I should have done that. <laughs> that's smart. He's never given away a free kick there. Um, Libba crunches vines in a tackle um, and they get the first clearance. But yeah, we sort of dominate the first quarter. Well, yeah, quarter time, you're uh, 21 points up. Um, and I'm sure this is a blur. What's what's the coach saying? What's the general mood in the group at quarter time? Good. Yeah, mood's good. Um, we're playing good footy. Uh, you sort of address every time you're in front, you address how they're going to come back. Um, and I felt like they beat us in literally the thing we said they're going to do. Their yep. mids are going to run incredibly hard. Yep. And they might run a little bit earlier from a forward point of view. Um, and the start of the second quarter, Trelaw kicks two and Bond kicks two. It's like they're all midfielders. Norton kicks one in that quarter um, is the forward, but we, the midfield, let them back into the game, huh. um, which was devastating. Siren sounds. And the dog's extraordinary quarter. Melbourne led at 21 points at quarter time. And now the dogs by eight points at half time. So I'm going to big picture this for a second. Yep, please do, Max. We played Queen's Birthday uh, that year, uh, Freeze M&D at the SEG because of COVID, uh, and we played Collingwood. We were first, Collingwood were 18th. Um, Buckley's last game. So we knew they were going to be hyped up for that, but it was first v 18th, and at halftime, we are down by 20 points. Yeah. That halftime room to the SEG was chaotic. We're losing to the wooden's, current Wooden Spooners by 20 points at halftime on our way to our first flag, I think we were 11-1. and one. Huh. 
Um, like what is going on? Everyone's talking. Everyone's trying to fix the problem. Players are going out of their role to coach. Like it's crazy. We then go lose by 30. So nothing helped being chaotic in that room at hard time. So we then, as a leisure group, said after, after, after that moment, every half time from now on, we take five minutes to ourselves, no matter what. No matter what's happened, we take five minutes to ourselves, unless Goody overrides it and wants to talk to us straight away, which really uh, hasn't happened ever. So now I walk in there, I sit down. This still happens today. And someone will say, take, take a moment. It will go for two or three minutes. I concentrate on my breathing, so I just listen to my breath. Um, some people go for a walk. Some people would go have some food. Uh, but there's almost pin drop sort of stuff. Fast forward 12 weeks, this exact moment has happened. We are very disgruntled about blowing a 30-point lead. Maisie wants to absolutely spray the midfield. Um, we're eight points down in the biggest game of our career. And halftime, sure enough, the leaders go, let's take a moment. And we all took, it went longer than normal. We all took about five minutes. And you could have heard the pin drop. If you came into our rooms at halftime, you would have gone, these guys are cooked. Wow. They're, they're, they're losing this game. Jeez, what's happened to Melbourne? And I dare say Doggy's rooms, they're bouncing off walls. Yeah. Um, so we took that moment. And then I just remember when Ooze came and spoke to the midfield and then when Goody spoke to the whole group, I was so present and so clear and listened to every word they said. And I'm not saying that's the reason why we then kicked 15 goals in a row. But certainly um, we could have got maybe a little more jacked because the first bit of the third quarter we were bombarded by Bulldogs pressure. Well, well on that. They got to 17, didn't they? Yeah, well, uh, I wrote it down here. Um, they got out to 19, 19 points in the third quarter. Look out, Bontempelli! Oh, this is some game he's playing. I was calling the game um, and it was exciting because when we were allowed out of home, so I'll have driven up from Bowen Heads um, and got to spend time with people that I sort of consider friends. Luke Darcy's calling it, Jason Dunstall, Nathan Brown, Damien Barrett. And Darcy, obviously, a big Bulldogs man, but he's a professional. He's calling the grand final. And... I reckon when it got to about 19 points, Chief said something along the lines of, I think the dogs, uh, I think Melbourne's cooked here. And I remember, yeah, well, yeah. But I remember Das looking round at him, giving him a death stare as if to say, don't death ride my team by saying they're home and hosed here. Um, And then how many many did you kick in a row? I think it was 15. 15 of the last 16 or something? I like to think from a neutral point of view, this was a good grand final. It was outstanding. (laughs) I mean, the scoreline... You were up. We end up winning by 60, which probably people go, maybe it's not the best But the 60 final. was such a celebration Correct. of perfect football that it didn't matter. The the three goals to get us back to even were pure. Oh, this is a massive moment. Understatement to say the Ds need it. Steady and goal coming up. Fritz, as he steered it through, he has. Petrarca goes for the oh, 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 oh. Christian Petrarca. <laughs> they get three quick ones. Ben Brown's got a couple. And we're back to a one-point grand final. Then it was level for a little bit. Then I think Brayshaw got us in front with a, with a, with, with a set shot. Um, then we had two set of bounces to go with a minute, and we kicked goals from both of them. Bang, bang. Minute with one, 30 seconds of the other. It was exhilarating football. It's honestly, and I was a bystander. Luke Jackson was in the, was in the ruck. I was sitting at full forward, and they all went over my head, and I'm like, this is... Decoy, decoy full this forward. This is beautiful. I like to think I had a bit of say in it. Like I, <laughs> Jacko was going well. Um, and we had a real big opportunity because like, it was Martin v. me for a lot of it and English v. Jackson, and it was an opportunity. I got a bit of English for that third quarter, and then Martin was in, and we're like, let's give Jacko Steph and run him around. Like, he's an old fellow, Steph. Let's see what we can do. Um, and Jacko actually didn't touch the ball. I think got one handball for that five minutes, but he just it was chaotic. He was throwing his body around, um, and he did really well in that third quarter. Um, got himself a million-dollar contract to free out yes. from it. Yes, he did. Um, so yeah. when do you... When do you, because you're in one of those rare situations where you get to play some of the game knowing that you're going to be a premiership player, at what stage? Is there a moment where you think, right, we're home here? There's a couple, so three-quarter times of great moment. Um, what are you up by? What are you, uh, I didn't write down that. What are you up by three-quarter well, time? There was a bit going on. The crowd was loud. I'm sure there was some sort of entertainment, maybe a grand final sprint or something going on in the middle. Like... Um, but we'll all obviously just experience the best minute of football of a team's life. Yes. So we're all very up and about. Um, so we've got a good sense of what's coming. And then we kicked a few early in the fourth, um, which helped. But uh, I think it was Alex Neil Bullen's goal. 
this for a massive 42 point lead and it will allow them to enjoy perhaps the final 10 minutes of the game Bullen from 47 goal umpire has not even moved they're drowning in goals the Lee Matthews goals in minutes quote that he does I think he was got us nine goals up with seven minutes to go or something I think that made me relatively comfortable um, we were all trying to get a goal late. I missed one. I did the exact same from the centre bounce. I ran from the centre bounce and I missed it. Um, Christian Salem come forward and kicked a goal. Ed Langdon come forward and kicked a goal. Tom McDonald, who was having a howler by his own admission, end up, ends up kicking two. And he kicked a goal after the siren. After 57 long years, the Demons are Premiers in 2021. Extraordinary stuff. Um, which I would, I would have topped the ball into the crowd. I would have ran with the ball above <laughs> my head and gone done a full lap. But Tom actually says a good reason why. He goes, when my son looks at the paper 15 years later, he won't know Dad had a howler. He'll say, Dad kicked two. <laughs> Dad, Dad, kicked, Dad kicked two in the two grand, on the grand <laughs> final. So, uh, is there any chance? Like, what, what what happens when the siren goes? It's it's fame. It's 57 years. It's you've just lived out your life's dream, but your supporters' life's dreamed and your supporters are locked down in a really dark time. I can only imagine what it was like in, in Melbourne's fans' yeah. lounge rooms. I sort of try, I gave you a little answer of this one before but saved a bit of it. Um, every boy's dream. Like, it's crazy. The whole waiting for the stage to get built is like a weird 10 minutes of, like, just sitting around hugging everyone and then Western Bulldogs are still out on the ground. Like, it's got a very unique experience. Um, I'm trying to come up with... Uh, acceptance speech in my own head um, and remembering who I had to thank and sponsors and whatnot. I don't think I nailed every bit of it, but I think I got most of it out. Um, and I said it's coming home. That, yes. was, that was my decision. Lastly, after 57 years of pain, it's coming home. It was a great I call. I thought it was on brand. It was a great call. Um, so that all happened. And then the next... So that bit was beautiful. Final siren, beautiful. And then there was a moment in the change rooms I'll get to, which was beautiful. Just before you get to that, because I wanted to go back and see who the premiership captain was. In my ignorance, I didn't know who the previous Melbourne premiership captain was. I'm presuming Barassi, but it I'm was not, yeah. it was Ron Barassi. And there's there's highlights of the game. Front of goal, they fly for it. Barassi goes high, couldn't hold it. Crompton picks up the ball, slams it, goal, and puts it through. And Melbourne hit the front. And it's just. So different. What a game. When they're handing over the cup to Barassi, there's just a few officials. I would like to congratulate the Collingwood side on their wonderful performance. Like, what's it like to see that, that that's what you've taken on from 57 years later? It's amazing that, um, is, is it Collingwood? I yeah, Collingwood, yeah. The captain's up there next to him. Yeah. So Melbourne fans have been waiting that long. So sorry, you were yeah, saying you were so going. We get presented the cup, then Michael Hibbard takes the cup, runs to the forward pocket, lap of honour starts. That's where I start to have... Interesting thoughts. Um, I grew up watching Sydney West Coast grannies, the Brisbane grannies, uh, Geelong and Hawthorne dominating. And it's 2.30 at the G. You see uh, Leo Barry runs into Bob Skilton or someone like that. Like they they run into their family around the ground. And so like I'm walking around the Oval and I'm seeing West Coast supporters of Melbourne jumpers on. There's obviously Melbourne supporters there that are Perth or Adelaide based or um, were able to get there. but I don't see anyone like Neil. I don't see Barass. I don't see um, David Neitz. I saw Gary Lyon. Saw him a lot, actually. Um, don't see my family or friends. So that was like a weird lap. Like, it's just sort of like clapping and embracing and taking photos of randoms. And um, <laughs> it was fun. Don't get me wrong. Every, every bit of this story, it was still the best unique time of my life. Um, we then go into the rooms. Again, great. We sing the song uh, with everyone involved with a cup in the middle. Like, you don't do that very often. Yep. 
a couple of people had families, a couple of local people. The Brayshaws were there. Luke Jackson's family's there. So a couple of people had families. Um, but I sat there and I'm like, all right, well, I've got to go share this with someone. So I FaceTimed my wife who was by herself in isolation watching wow. it. Wow. Um, and then FaceTime mum, mum and dad, who again by themselves watching it. Um, they were actually country Vic, so I dare say they might have had a couple of people over. Yep. Um, and I'm sitting there going, one thing I've realised in football is why I play football. And the kicks are great, the marks are great, goals are great, um, five and a prelims great. Um, but really what's great is the joy I bring to others around me, and in particular my family. Um so mum and dad who have been there through the genuine lows. You were talking about some of those years. Knee reconstructions. Knee recos, losing. phone calls after doing knee recos in the game, phone calls after losing by 186. Um, they've been there for the genuine lows. At my literal football high in my whole under nines to where I am now, I'm at my highest point and they're not there to celebrate it with me. I just sort of felt really missing at that moment. Like I was quite shattered that I was in a quiet part of my room mm. FaceTiming my family. Um, and then I mentioned the former greats that I would love to see. And then, then also the 70,000 Melbourne members as well would have been great um, to get a little bit out of. But then because we're so isolated, something unique happens. And I dare say Richmond with their 2020 flag have this feeling as well. Is we're a crew of 70 with no friends and family apart from a couple of people who had Perth family over in Perth about to take part in the week celebration as a group of 70 where no one's going to go anywhere. We're all on two buses, just going wherever we want. Um, and we didn't have anywhere to go. So we're in the Perth change rooms. We're in Frio's change rooms. And apologies to Frio. I think we damaged a few things. <laughs> um, but we played maybe an hour and a half's worth of sing-along songs, like some of the best, like Sweet Caroline sort of vibe. Um, the Abba Gimme, Gimme, Gimme one in the change rooms. <laughs> And it was the best hour and a half of my life. Was it really? So it's gone from going, I'm missing a little bit here, to then going, this is quite unique. Because in Melbourne, let's say we win one in Melbourne, I dare say I'm going to go off and see my friends and family at some point. Yeah. And so is everyone else. So you're not going to be that group of 70 just rolling around Melbourne. True. Um, so that was so cool. Um, and then the next day and then the next day, I went till Thursday. Um, my wife was pregnant at the time so I, and heavily pregnant, so I had to get home relatively quick, but she gave me till Thursday. Um, it was just 70 of us just rolling around Perth. Um, it was fun. Of all the Melbourne supporters that have come up to you over the last few years, is there is there anything that sticks in your mind where someone said something to you that you're like, oh, okay, I, I understand what I've been involved in? Uh, there's a couple of moments. Um, the day I got back to Melbourne, uh, got back to Blair Gary, um, and we've still got the 5K rule. Uh, and the only person I knew within the 5K was Don McClarty, who I spoke about before. Yep. Who's a former Melbourne president during the Bailey Neal era. So he had a, and he took over from Steinsy, who was too sick. Um, unbelievable man. Uh, I had my 200 games the other day and brought him to my celebrations, friends of his family, um, ripping person. And I said, he's in, he's Sorrento. I'm going to tell his son, let's get him, surprise him at the caravan park. Because uh, he had to meet at the, at the park. Oh, of course. Um, so he sets him at the park and they think that he actually thinks that his son was going to tell him that he's proposed to his longtime girlfriend. <laughs> um, so they're setting up there. They've got Melbourne stuff all set up there because that's where they watch the game from in the park. Um, so Melbourne stuff already there and I pop up behind and he balls his eyes out Did crying. Um, and I'm like, this is just such a great moment. Um, the fact that we can do this to someone. Um Everyone who I've said has said, geez, we need to win one in Melbourne though. So there's still, yes. that's sport for you. They yep. forget you, everyone's forgotten Geelong won the flag last year. They're talking about they missed the finals this year. Yeah. It goes on it, pretty quickly. Very quickly. Um, but yeah, the, the initial moments of sharing the trophy and sharing stories like this with people, um, especially guys that have been involved in those Melbourne years, um, truly was pretty special. It's great to see the smile on your face, Maxie. We always finish the same way. Um about for all those listening, especially the young ones that want to achieve, whether it's Lige Kiwi who wants to be a Melbourne Ruckman um, taking over from whoever takes over from you or uh, the next scientist or guitarist or mathematician from your experiences and you've had wide and varied ones, what advice would you give to those out there that are hoping to achieve success in their lives, mate? Well, yeah, I've got my own son now. Yeah. Um, second one on the way, but... Congrats. Thank you, both boys. Uh 
George probably isn't going to be a footballer. Oh, I don't know. I've kicked a few at him and he's Falcon Muslim. So to be fair, he's not quite two. So I don't think catching's come in yet. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you want to talent ID him out of the pathway just yet. I'm ready to call a quits at this stage and go, go down a different avenue. Maybe the second one will be a gun. <laughs> um, but it's certainly something I think about. And as much as you want to shape George yourself, I, I, obviously I'm not talking to my own sons with this answer, but as much as I want to shape George myself, I feel like the answer is basically the vibe of this whole podcast is do it your way um, and do it with a smile. Uh, I've had hundreds of teammates. I've been at one club and I've had hundreds of teammates. That's how many people have got delisted at this football club mm. while I've been there and half them left pretty unhappy. And that could have been the reason why they left. Um, you play football for a smile on your face, you're going to go a lot further than the person who plays football for a frown on his face. Um, so go out there and enjoy it. Do it your way. Um, and if you're talented enough, you'll probably get there. Max, it's been a treat to have you in here. Um, great stuff with Pepper Jack. Um, more about that in a moment. But often athletes that are currently in the midst of their career aren't comfortable reflecting. I really enjoyed the fact you've been able to reflect and talk about all those successes. And I know Melbourne fans and footy fans will love it, but good luck with everything because there's still much more going forward, mate. And just tell me when you want some Bowen Heads Brewing Co beer in the in the restaurant. I'll and, have one. And away we go. And if you don't hear from me. <laughs> that's the message right there. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Good on you, mate. Well done. Big love, big love for Big Maxi. May his brilliant footy continue. May his restaurant motor go viral. His East End wine bar be a place for good times and joy and his table business return one day soon. He is a busy boy. Thanks to Matty Barras from TLA for making this episode happen. Until next time with Tyler Wright, you know the drill. Peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try